Well, here we are again, deja vu, partial lockdown, CMCO 2.0. I wonder how are you feeling? How are you really feeling? As we enter this second new phase, maybe you feel a bit exhausted emotionally or physically already. Maybe you're feeling a bit zoomed out or spent out or just burnt out. Today, when we look at our passage of scripture, Jesus sends out 72 disciples and he says, you're gonna go out like lambs among wolves. In other words, it's gonna be a bit scary, a bit full on. And perhaps that's how you're feeling right now, just a bit overwhelmed or scared by life. Well, the encouraging thing is that the advice that Jesus gives those 72 disciples is so relevant to us today. And they even come back to him, we're told, full of joy. So today I want to talk about how we can not just survive this season, but thrive. How we can move from a mode of survival to one of personal revival and thriving. So the context is Jesus has previously sent out the 12 disciples and now he sends out 72 of his followers. It's Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse one. Let me read it to you. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. In other words, it's urgent. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And then verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then verse 20, Jesus says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what advice do we get from this passage for thriving in this tricky season? Well, the first thing I want to suggest is this, simplify your life. Verse four, Jesus says to them, do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Now, Jesus isn't saying don't accessorize. Rather, he says, when life is stressful, don't fill it with things you don't need. This is a good season to simplify our lives where possible, to cut back on that which is necessary, to sort of travel light through this season, as it were. Jesus knew that the disciples shouldn't have to deal with lots of baggage and complication, rather to simplify, trust God's provision. 
This is a great time to refocus and to prioritize our lives with that which is most important. And, and not to, to carry that which can distract or be a burden to us. Just the other week, Sarah came out of our little store cupboard area with two bags. And I said to her, what's that? And she said, oh, oh this is stuff I don't think we need anymore. It was clearly stuff that no longer sparked joy for her. She said, it's time to get rid of it. And I think that's great advice. So maybe you can simplify either your belongings in life, but more importantly, can you simplify maybe some of the things that you're juggling in your life at this time? Uh, we have a friend called John, and he's a professional entertainer. Uh, he's a brilliant magician, an amazing juggler, sort of uh, high-end uh, business that he has. And one day, a few years ago, he, he took me to go and see uh, a colleague of his who was performing. And this guy was amazing. And the climax to his act right at the end is, he said to the audience, I'm now going to juggle a bowling ball, a raw egg, and this chainsaw. And the chainsaw kind of had a handle on the end of it to which he could flip it. I thought, this can't be real, he's not gonna do this, is he? But sure enough, he got the chainsaw and he started it. He went And then he got the bowling ball and he put the raw egg in his mouth and he spat the egg out, threw up the bowling ball and started to juggle. And I, my mouth was just dropping, thinking, how is he doing that? And I, I turned to John and said, that's not possible. And John's answer was really surprising. He said, oh, actually, it's quite easy. I was like, what? And he said, well, the thing with juggling is that the more things you try to juggle, the harder it is, regardless of what you're juggling. He says, the golden rule is this, if you juggle less, you drop less. And I wonder at this time in your life, maybe there are some things you, you just have to juggle, you can't put them down. And, and they're a bit scary, a bit like a chainsaw. Or maybe there are big things like a bowling ball or, or things that are precious and fragile that you just don't wanna get wrong like that egg. But perhaps there are also other things which in this season you could just place down just for a moment and say, do you know what? I'm just not gonna juggle that at the moment. I'm gonna simplify it. Juggle less, drop less. But simplifying our life might also mean letting go of emotional baggage that we've carried with us from the past. Jesus said to his disciples, don't take that baggage. He doesn't want you to have to carry that burden from the past any longer. Maybe it's unforgiveness or, or bitterness or, or scars. Right at the end of my talk, we're gonna have a chance to pray and you can maybe let go of that. You can make a decision to forgive. You can take those emotional burdens and place them again at the foot of the cross, receiving peace, forgiveness, and the healing power of Jesus. Simplify. The second piece of advice for this season is seek a person of peace. We read this in verse five. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. 
A person of peace is someone who either consciously or subconsciously recognizes the peace of God upon you and is therefore inclined to help and to bless you and your life. Now, this person of peace, they might not even be a Christian, but they are attracted by the peace of God that you carry. You know, just as the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove at his baptism. So when we put our faith in Christ, the Prince of Peace, the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and by the Son to come and rest upon you and me. You are a carrier of peace. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, didn't he? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So look out for those whom the Lord will put in your path who can help you, a friendly neighbor or a work colleague or, or a friend, maybe even somebody that you do business with. Look out, be expectant for a person of peace, for God to provide you with that help. But also remember, we are always meant to be people of peace for others to help them as well. St. Paul writes in Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, there's nothing like conflict for causing internal stress in our lives. But this is not just about avoidance of conflict. It's about being a blessing and proactively bringing peace in Jesus' name. So simplify, seek that person of peace. The third piece of advice is self care. In verse seven, Jesus says, stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves their wages. Do not move around from house to house. You know, during the tough times, it is important to practice self-care. You know, if you're exhausted, this can be actually quite tricky. I think I've found in life, uh, I've noticed that those who are close to burnout, often turn to self-medication rather than turning to self-care. But self-care is essential to go through any long race in life, as it were. This is kind of the equivalent of when you get on airplanes. Do you remember those, those things that used to take us into the sky? When you get, got on airplanes before takeoff, uh, they used to say, in the case of an emergency, fit your own oxygen mask before helping others. It's a bit like that. Or, or to use a garden analogy, you know, in the UK during the winter in gardens, many plants, they, they, they drop their leaves, they stop growing, they generally look not great. Sometimes they even look dead. But when spring arrives, they bloom full of life stronger than ever. And you see, your visible health in the spring, a bit like plants, is linked to your invisible health in the winter. During those long winter months, what's happening is the plants are forced to push their roots deeper underground to access minerals and life. It makes them stronger for when the weather warms up. And likewise, as it says in John 
chapter 15. Let us abide in Christ during this season and push our roots deeper into Jesus. So this means that self-care certainly means embracing spiritual disciplines, like regularly reading the Bible, Bible in one year, or, or prayer. What, one thing that I do at the start of each workday is um, I, I sit down with a notebook and my Bible, and, and, and I make a list of what I need to get done or the challenges that I'm facing, the big things to deal with for that day. I only do it one day at a time. And then I pray and I ask the Lord, what could I do today to try and get through this to-do list? And I'll write down any ideas, any steps to be taken, and that sort of forms my list for the day. And there's always stuff on that list that I don't know what to do. I don't know how to solve it. And at that point, I say, okay, Lord, I don't know how to do this. So this part of the to-do list, is it okay? I'm giving it to you today. And then once I've done that, I can, can, I can get on with the day knowing that I'll do what I can do. And I know that I've given the rest to the Lord. And I trust him to either give me inspiration or to open the door or to lead me on a path to a solution. And then at the end of the day, when I get into bed, um, I have this little book of Celtic prayers and I, I sort of just read a short prayer, committing the night's sleep to the Lord. Get a rhythm of prayer that works for you. And self-care also means doing practical things like getting enough sleep, eating well, doing a bit of exercise, but it also means having community around you, which links to our next step of how we can thrive at this time. Number four, speak to others. And by this, we can speak two things, hope and honesty. Firstly, speak hope to others. In verse nine, Jesus tells the disciples, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. You know, people need to hear the hope and the love of Jesus more than ever at this time. But not only do people need to hear the hope of Jesus, but as we declare it to them, we declare it again to ourselves as well. It's truly good news. And it's worth reminding ourselves of that and telling others is one way to remind ourselves. Speak hope. But secondly, we can also speak honestly with others. In verse 11, uh, it says, even the dust of your, this is if they go to a place where they're not welcomed, even the dust of your town, town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. But be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. Isn't that interesting that the disciples are told, don't hold back on just speaking the truth. Now, these two things, speaking hope and speaking honestly of our troubles, they're not in conflict with each other, but actually they are the way to do authentic relationships that are healthy. Our honesty about the present does not lessen our future hope in Christ. And conversely, our future hope does not invalidate 
our present troubles. Rather, it provides us strength to get through it. It's why it's so important not to travel through life alone. Jesus sent out the 72, we're told, two by two for a reason. So I'd encourage you to get plugged into a connect group. They're still meeting online. Uh, or at least have just one person minimum that is someone you can speak to honestly about how you're doing. And don't forget to remind one another of the ultimate hope that we have in Jesus, in his death and his resurrection. Being a leader means you're a dealer in hope. And then the fifth and final way we can thrive at this time is to serve others. Jesus says uh, to the 72 in verse three, go. And then in the Great Commission, uh, his command to all believers is go. And in fact, the command go is found 228 times in verses in the Bible. As one pastor once said jokingly, go is two thirds of the name of God. <laughs> but the point is this, we are meant to live a life that is other focused and God-centered rather than me-focused and self-centered. And a life that is outward-looking, outward-orientated, serving others, that seeks to love others, is always a life of significance, purpose, and of joy. That's why the disciples return filled with joy. Serving others, it turns out, is good for you and me. It's why Paul says to the Galatians, never grow weary of doing good. And we don't have to do this in our own strength. Jesus sends out the disciples with his authority. Verse 19 actually says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. You have all authority in heaven and earth in his name. And likewise, the great news is that the, um, the 72, although they were, we're told in verse one, sent out ahead of him, ahead of Jesus. Now, you and I, we don't go ahead of Jesus. We go with him, with the presence of his Holy Spirit in us to give us his miraculous power, authority and power. We don't have to do this uh, partial lockdown season in our own strength. And we can do all of this ultimately secure in the certainty of our destiny. As Jesus says in verse 20, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Your destiny is never in doubt. Your name is already written in heaven. Why don't we spend a moment now just praying together? Maybe something that I, I said just now really resonated with you. And let's just ask the Spirit to come 
that spirit of peace to again rest upon us to be carriers of peace. So you might want to put your hands out in front of you right now. You don't have to, but I find it's really helpful body language to open up my heart and just pray, come Holy Spirit, the spirit of peace, peace. Would you come and fill me again with the peace of God?